0: Cake, but I think I just saw Santa Claus. I made my family disappear. Have a good trip. Bring me back to the mm-hmm.
1: ah! Kevin. Hey, maybe, maybe I don't want any. Maybe, but we've got to find that money. Get me back to my wife and kids.
0: Look, Daddy. Teacher says every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings.
2: Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Christmas at the Movies. Welcome to Mount Pleasant Christian Church. I want to greet all of you, especially if you're a guest with us today. Thanks so much for being here. We appreciate you sharing in a time of worship with us. And as always, we want to welcome those folks who are joining us online. If you've got a Bible, let me hear your pages turning to the Gospel of Luke and the fourth chapter this morning. Uh, one of the reasons why Christmas... At the movies, this is the second time that we've done this. We've done an At the Movie series a couple of times also. And one of the reasons why these Atmos- At the Movie series are so popular is because movies tell stories. And if you know anything about the ministry of Jesus, some of the most effective teaching that he did during his earthly ministry happened when he told stories. We call those stories parables. And I don't know about you, but I can still remember being a little boy growing up in church and being told every week virtually, as we talked about parables and we watched in my old age a film strip that had a parable, we were told that a parable is, I want you to read this definition with me off the screen, let me hear your voices, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. That's what a parable is, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so, We're going to spend the month of December here at Mount Pleasant in a series called Christmas at the Movies, and we're going to kick things off this weekend by looking at the movie The Grinch. Now, the story of The Grinch, of course, was written by a man named Theodore Geisel. We know him better as Dr. Seuss. It was first published in a book back in 1957, but since then, there have been several different adaptations, and we're going to use the 2018 computer animated adaptation that's simply called The Grinch, and here's why we're using that, because my seven-year-old grandson, Wyatt, who's sitting right down here by Sandy, absolutely loves this movie, and so when he comes over to the house, especially if he comes over to spend the night, and we say, what movie do you want to watch? it doesn't matter if it's the middle of summer or whenever, he usually asks for the Grinch. And so I've seen it about a mm, hundred times. <laughs> and no matter how many times I see it, it always makes me laugh. But before we begin looking at the movie, I just want to remind you that Jesus told stories, he told parables specifically to communicate spiritual truth And so when we look at the story of the Grinch, we're going to see a spiritual truth this weekend because there's a very real need in the Grinch's life. And here's the thing that we need to understand and especially celebrate at Christmas time: Jesus came into the world to meet our deepest needs. Somebody say amen to that. So we're going to kick off our 2023 version of Christmas at the movies by looking at the Grinch. And when we do that... The first thing we noticed about him is that he had a serious, serious attitude problem. And this was especially true at Christmas, because the Grinch lived just north of a town called Whoville, and no one loved Christmas more than the Who people of Whoville. Let's see that in this first opening clip.
3: you come from far beyond what you've seen is a town like your town if your town was a dream only it's not a dream or a hoax or a ruse it is christmas in whoville the home of the who's fresh peppermint bread.
1: oh hey marge Marge! Smells like Christmas.
3: Whoville is great. That is known far and wide. And three weeks through December, this place hits its stride. Yes, the Who's down in Whoville like Christmas a lot. The Grinch in his cave north of Whoville did not
2: The movie begins. The Grinch wakes up one morning, that's the morning that we're talking about there, and discovers that he doesn't have any food in his house. The anticipation of the coming of Christmas was too much, and the emotional eating took over, and he has no food in his house. And so, even though the last thing that he wants to do is to make a trip into Whoville at Christmas time, that's what he has to do for groceries. And as he does, he puts his hatred for Christmas on full display, and he also puts his meanness on display as well. But before we get a glimpse of that in this second clip, I need to share one little piece of narration with you that's very important to what we're going to be talking about today. Because as he makes his way to Whoville with his faithful dog, Max, this is what the narrator says above the scene. Yes, the Grinch hated Christmas the whole Christmas season. Now, please don't ask why. No one knows quite the reason It could be his head wasn't screwed on just right. It could be perhaps that his shoes were too tight. But I think the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small. See, here's the deal. The Grinch had a heart problem. Makes me think of the words of Proverbs 4.23 that says... Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. And because the Bible and the heart, as I've told you many times, represents the mind, this heart issue in the life of the Grinch, just like a heart issue in your life or mine, affects every part of our life. And for the Grinch, for whatever reason, it showed up, especially at Christmas, in a powerful way. And we see that in this second clip, which is my favorite of all the ones we're looking at now remember max
1: this is the time of year when the who's are at their most deceptive Oof. you have my full permission to attack anyone who so much as says one kind word to us jingle bells christmas smells oh mm. uh, uh. It's really, such an awful day. Hey,
0: merry Christmas,
1: Hello. happy holiday, Sue. <laughs> this season's greetings, folks. Hello. And merry Christmas.
0: Hey. God rest ye merry gentlemen. <laughs> Let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day To save us all from Satan's mind when we were gone astray Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy, all tidings of comfort and joy. joy. for my Christmas stuffing.
1: <gasps> no.
0: Well, that's not very nice. <laughs> oh, sugar plum.
2: So clearly, the Grinch was not a nice person. But remember, he had a heart problem. And the truth was, there was a wound deep down inside of him that controlled everything in his life. It controlled his feelings and his thoughts and his attitudes and his perception and his actions and on and on and on. How many of you have ever heard the old saying, hurt people hurt people? That was true for the Grinch. And because of that, he didn't have any other option in his life except to be mean. And he woke up every morning with an emptiness inside of him. And there was something about Christmas that triggered the pain inside of him more than any other time of the year. And that was going to be magnified on this particular Christmas because what we don't see, we don't have time to look at the clip, is the mayor of Hooville has declared that this year Christmas in Hooville was to be three times larger than it had ever been before, and that was just simply more than the Grinch could take. And so he came up with this decision that in order to avoid all of Christmas and all the pain that Christmas brought into his life, he was just going to try to end it before it even began by sabotaging the annual Christmas tree lighting event. And in doing that, we get some insight into exactly why the Grinch was living his life with a broken heart. Here's the third clip.
3: From the edge of his ledge way up in the sky the Grinch felt upset Though he wasn't sure why, it could have been Christmas, all that joy and the such, or some thoughts from his past that he just couldn't quite touch. But whatever it was, it made his heart moan. Though he was used to it now, this being alone, and now safe in his cave and apart from the fray, he reminded himself. It
1: is better this way.
0: these ornaments. Look what I made, everybody. It's a Christmas dragon. It came to me in a dream. (laughs) Oh, man. Hey, Bartholomew. Hey there, Miss Who. Here you go. Ready to flip that switch and light up the sky.
1: (laughs) Oh no, not on my watch, you don't.
0: Boville, it is time to light this beautiful tree. 17,
1: 18, 19, and 20. (laughs) Okay, lock and load. All right, just attach this here, and we'll be ready to launch. No, i wish i could see the look on their faces Whoa. 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 okay oh boy ah okay. wow. that could be so much worse <laughs>
0: let's begin the countdown
3: heard the thump of their joy and delights, and it took him right back to his earliest years to that lost lonely boy who cried all of those tears. That lost lonely boy isolated and sad with no home of his own no mom and no dad. And as the Grinch looked around He felt downright scared as he remembered that Christmas where nobody cared, where nobody showed, not even a flea, and there were no cards, no gifts, and no tree. (laughs) And as he watched other kids, one thing became clear. This was the single worst day of the year. And now here it was, that day once again, and he felt all those feelings he felt way back when, when he'd watch who's young and old all sit down to feast, and they'd feast, and they'd feast, and they'd feast, 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 feast. They'd feast on who pudding and rare who roast beast. Which is something the Grinch could not stand in the least. And then they'd do something he liked least of all. Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, would stand close together with Christmas bells ringing. They'd stand hand in hand, and the who's would start singing. Paul without feeling the sting. So the Grinch finally declared, I must stop this whole thing.
2: Hey, if you got your Bibles, open to Luke chapter 4 and you're able to stand with me for the reading of the scripture this morning. I'm going to be reading Luke chapter 4 beginning in verse 14 down through verse 19. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. All right, there it is. You can be seated. We always ask that God would bless the reading and the hearing of his word. When we come to this passage in Luke chapter four, Jesus has been ministering throughout Judea for about eight months and news about him had begun to spread everywhere. And so he goes to his hometown of Nazareth and on the Sabbath, he goes into the synagogue where he was invited to teach. And he begins by reading a passage of scripture from the Old Testament book of Isaiah chapter 61, a passage that refers to the promise of the coming Messiah. That's the passage we just read. And when he finished, What we didn't read is he sat down and he turned to all the people that were in the synagogue that day and in Luke chapter four and verse 21, he says these words. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, just so we're all clear And on the same page about what that means, Jesus was looking at the people and he was saying, I am the one the prophet Isaiah was talking about. These words are about me and what I have come into the world to do. And you could summarize what Jesus came into the world to do with this single statement that I said or spoke earlier in our introduction. He said, I have come to meet your deepest Needs. That's why Jesus came into the world. That's really the only conclusion you can come to when you look at the specific statements made about Jesus or made about the Messiah in Isaiah 61. First, it says he came to preach good news to the poor. Was he talking about materially poor or spiritually poor. I think he was talking about both. He was talking about people who were materially poor because they lived a frustrating and hopeless life. But he was also talking about people who were spiritually poor because there didn't seem to be any place for them in the current religious system that was run and navigated by self-righteous hypocrites. Second, he said he came to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. And the truth is, and I'm sure you would agree with me on this, almost all of us, if not all of us, have been captive to something in our lives, at least at some point in our lives, whether it's some kind of sin in our life or some kind of emotional issue that we're struggling with, like guilt or shame or anxiety or anger or bitterness. You could go on and on and on. Most people have been held captive by something at some point in their life. Then he said, number three, that he came to proclaim recovery of sight for the blind. And again, I think Jesus is speaking literally and figuratively because you look in the gospels and literally he healed blind people. But He also spoke to people about the reality of being blind to the things of God, to the reality of God. And then he said, finally, he came to release the oppressed. And it's interesting, in the original language of the Old Testament, that Hebrew word that's translated oppressed in my NIV Bible could easily be translated bruised. And isn't this a reality of life that it bruises all of us along the way, at least at some point, in some way? But honestly, there's something interesting About Luke's account of this because there's something missing for whatever reason when Luke recorded this there was a part of the passage in Isaiah 61 which for us is Isaiah 61 verses 1 and 2 that Luke didn't include in Jesus's reading. I'm going to put it up on the screen so you can see what's missing. This is how Isaiah 61 verses 1 and 2 reads. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Do you see what's missing? To bind up the brokenhearted. And so in addition to all the things we just talked about that the Messiah would come into the world to do, he also came into the world to bind up, or let's just think of it like this, to heal the brokenhearted And so, as Jesus was beginning his earthly ministry, he visited his hometown of Nazareth, went to the synagogue on the Sabbath, read from Isaiah 61 all of these things that the Messiah was going to come into the world to do and say, and then he said to the people there, these words are about me because I've come into the world to meet your deepest needs, whatever they might be. Now, I would encourage you to, read the rest of Luke chapter four sometime today because while initially people responded positively to what Jesus said, it ended in a pretty negative way. But let's think about this just from a historical standpoint for a moment. And what I mean by that is let's just realize that before Jesus was born, before he came into the world, before he began his earthly ministry, God's people had been waiting for the promise of the Messiah for a long, long time And I'm sure that in the process of that waiting, there had to have been some questions in their minds. They'd been waiting for a long time. And in addition to that, think about this. There was 400 years of silence between the ending of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament. That means for 400 years, no legitimate, reliable prophet spoke a single word about God, or about the Messiah, or anything. And so while these people were waiting, in my mind at least, this is a certain amount of conjecture, there had to have been some questions, first first of all, about God. What, What is God waiting for? What's taking so long? Does God know what he's going through? Does he see us in the lives that we're living today? But there probably were questions about the Messiah as well, like when the Messiah comes, what will he be like? Will he judge us? Will he reject us? Will he say God is tired of us? And on and on and on. And to me, that's what makes this passage of scripture in Luke chapter four is so significant because when Jesus reads those words from Isaiah 61 and says, today, these words are fulfilled in your hearing. He answered all those questions. He said, I've come for the poor. I've come for the prisoners. I've come for the blind. I've come for the bruised and I've come for the broken hearted. In other words, he said, I've come to meet your deepest needs And what was true for the Jews who were waiting for the Messiah in the days of the New Testament continues to be true for all of us today. Jesus, whose birth we celebrate at Christmas, came into the world to meet our deepest need, whatever it might be. He came into the world to meet your deepest need or needs. Well, if we get back to the Grinch, who's always miserable at Christmas, this year the pain is so bad that he is not finished with trying to figure out how he can get rid of Christmas. I mean, he didn't succeed in trying to keep Christmas from starting, and so now he develops this elaborate plan to steal Christmas completely from all the Who's in Whoville, every single part of it. And his plan is going to be enacted on Christmas Eve when he dresses up like Santa Claus, and he systematically works his way through all of Whoville, stealing every decoration, every tree, every... Present and anything else Christmassy that he can get his hands on. But there's a backstory in this movie, in this story, overall story, and if you're familiar with the story, you know this, about this little girl named Cindy Lou Who. And in this version of the Grinch, she and her brothers are being raised by a single mom, and all she wants for Christmas is not a single thing for herself. She just wants Santa Claus to do something nice for her mother because she works so hard, and she takes such good care of them, and she never seems to get a break or have any time for herself. And so she tries to get this message to Santa Claus, but in the end, she decides, my best option is just to Trap Santa Claus when he comes to our house on Christmas Eve and deliver the message or the request in person. And so let's look at this fourth clip
1: Dashing through the snow in a one dog open One more house to go and Christmas goes away. Uh, Oh, Oh, what the heck? (sighs)
0: He's here! Whoa.
3: Whoa!
1: little help, please?
0: I'll let you down. Know. Just give me a minute.
1: Ah, that'd be great.
0: I'm coming. Just trying to remember which cord it is.
1: Ugh.
0: Oh, no. Ugh. I'm so sorry. Uh, Are you OK?
1: Yeah, I guess so.
0: Let me help you. Huh. Sit down here. Ugh. Drink this. It'll make you feel better.
1: Uh, Thanks.
0: Wow, I can't believe it's really you. Uh, yeah. I'm so sorry about the trap and everything, but I really need to... Hey, why are you taking our Christmas tree?
1: Well, one of the lights wasn't working, so I thought I'd take it back to the workshop and see if I could fix it.
0: I didn't know you did that.
1: Yeah, sure. Now why don't you go back upstairs to bed, and then when you wake up, the tree will be fixed and your presents will be waiting under. Wait,
0: you don't understand. I don't want presents.
1: (laughs) Of course you do. Everyone wants presents.
0: No, no, really, I don't. I want you to help my mom. Your mom? Yeah. She works so hard and is always doing stuff for other people. And I just want her to be happy.
1: You want me to help your mom?
0: You're Santa. You make people happy. And everyone should be happy, right?
1: Y- yeah, I, I guess they should. Santa, are, are you okay? What? Uh, yeah, I'm fine. <sighs> now, why don't you go back up to bed, hmm?
0: Okay. I wish you could celebrate with us tomorrow. We all get together and sing. It's so beautiful that if you close your eyes and listen, all of your sadness just goes away.
1: That sounds nice.
2: Now, the Grinch didn't know it, but that encounter with Cindy Lou who began something significant for him. And after he loaded up all of Whoville's Christmas and started to make his way home, this was the narration that was playing over and over again in his head. He tried to forget it, but the words filled his head and he found himself thinking about what the young girl had said. It's hard, it was hard to imagine, could it really be true? But if they could all be happy, maybe he could be too. And by the time he got home, <clears throat> everyone in Whoville was awake and they discovered that Christmas had been stolen. But while the Grinch thought, stealing Christmas from the people of Whoville would take away all their happiness and joy. He wasn't prepared as he was getting ready to just dump it all. He wasn't prepared for what happened next. And he was surprised by what he was hearing. Let's look at this next clip.
1: Just one more shove. What's that? Do you hear it? I don't understand, Max. Christmas
0: Day is in Don't
1: they know what I've done?
3: As he watched the small girl, he thought he might melt. If he did what she did, would he feel what she felt? And the luscious sound swelled, reaching up to the skies. And the Grinch heard with his heart, and it tripled in size.
2: Now here's the deal. Let's just be honest. The story of the Grinch is just a silly, sweet story about a fictional character, a weird-looking character whose heart was broken but received a redemption of sorts through kindness and love. But the genuine life change that Jesus came into the world to bring, it's real. Because Jesus came into the world to meet our deepest needs. I want you to look at these words on the screen with me from John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. It's a little bit different because I'm using them in the living Bible rather than my regular NIV translation but this is what it says then many of the Jewish leaders who heard him say these things began believing him to be the Messiah Jesus said to them you are truly my disciples if you live as I tell you to and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free now Think about those last words. He said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you look at the context for John chapter eight, Jesus has been speaking to the people about the fact that he wasn't someone who came into the world on a mission for God. He was someone who came into the world who was God and brought light into the world. And if you believe in him and you live your life for him, then your life can be changed. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Well, here's what knowing Jesus and living your life for him will do for your life, no matter who you are, in real practical terms. Number one, it'll give you freedom from the past, no matter what is in your past. The truth is, all of us carry around some kind of a wound or some kind of a regret from our past, it might be because of something that was done to us at no fault of our own, or it might be because of something we did. But A lot of times, those wounds and those regrets shape our lives sometimes in the worst ways. But Jesus came in the world to set us free from all of that, to set us free from the pain of the past and the guilt of the past and anything else that might be in your past. When you give your life to him, you receive the complete forgiveness of your sins. Your life is made brand new. The apostle Paul captures that truth perfectly in these words from 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Read that with me. Let me hear your voices. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. The old has gone and the new has come. And that has happened to so many people. It happened to so many people in the Gospels. You know, there's a sense in which the Bible is kind of like a library of stories about people, some good, some bad, some famous, some unknown. But when you look at their stories, one thing that you see in so many of their lives is remarkable transformation. You think of a man named Zacchaeus in Luke 19 who went from being completely dishonest and greedy, someone who had betrayed his countrymen to a man who lived a life marked by extreme generosity. Nicodemus in chapter three of the gospel of John went from a self-righteous religious extremist to a passionate disciple who followed Jesus and cared for him all the way up to the end of his life because he was there to gently and tenderly take Jesus's body down from the cross so that it could be prepared for burial in the proper way. The woman at the well in John chapter four went from someone whose life was marked by sexual sin, probably in part because it was the only way she knew how to survive, but also probably in part because she was just desperate like so many people continue to be today. She was just desperate for someone to love her, but she went from someone whose life was marked by sexual sin to someone who evangelized her entire town. Peter, who we see throughout the gospels, went from a rough fisherman to one of Jesus' closest closest disciples to someone who betrayed Jesus in the moment of his greatest need to someone who literally gave his life for sharing the message of Jesus. Saul of Tarsus in Acts 9 went from someone who persecuted Jesus by persecuting Jesus' followers to someone who traveled the world telling people about Jesus, often suffering great levels of persecution along the way. And you could go on and on and on. This truth about what Jesus can do in your life was captured by Paul when he said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And so it doesn't matter who you are or what you're carrying around in your life, what wound or regret from your past continues to haunt your life every single day because Jesus came into the world to meet your deepest need. He can give you freedom from the past, but it doesn't stop there. He also came into the world to give you power for the present because just because we surrender our lives in faith and trust to Jesus doesn't mean that we'll never face any difficulties or we'll never make any more... more mistakes in our lives, but we can know whatever comes, whatever we face, we have confidence that because of this right relationship we have with God through our faith in Jesus, that God pours an unending amount of grace into our lives. Grace is God's unmerited kindness and his unmerited favor. He pours this unending level of grace into our lives to help us along the way. I've always loved um, the way the gospel of John begins Because it begins in an unusual way with this prologue that's all focused on Jesus. You probably are familiar with the beginning, John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that's a Greek word, logos, which means communication. And John is saying Jesus came into the world to be the communication of God to people like you and me. But right in the middle of the prologue, there's this verse that's always stood out to me. John says about Jesus, from the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another if you look at that verse in the original language of the new testament then you see that it can be translated like this which makes it a little bit easier to understand from his jesus's fullness we have received grace upon grace Or another way you could say it would be we have received grace in place of grace. In other words, it's this picture of God continually pouring his grace into our lives to help us, to sustain us, to strengthen us no matter what we face as we go through life. And he does this because we are in a personal relationship with him. We have a friendship with him through our faith in Jesus. It reminds me of Paul's words in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, when he was crying out to God for relief from some kind of a torment, and he said, and God answered him by saying, my grace is sufficient for you. Jesus doesn't just give us forgiveness and redemption from our past. He gives us power in our present through the grace he pours into our life, and it doesn't stop there because he also gives us hope for the future. None of us knows what tomorrow holds, but if we have this relationship with God, this friendship with God through faith in Jesus, we know that God holds every tomorrow, your tomorrow and my tomorrow and on and on and on. Jesus came into the world at Christmas to meet our deepest needs. At the top of the list for all of us is the need for forgiveness of sin so that we can live in a right relationship with God And Jesus met that need, we know, by dying on the cross and paying the penalty for the sin. When we think about Christmas, we need to think about a manger that ultimately was nailed to a cross. Jesus came into the world to die. But he also meets, listen to me close, he also meets the deepest needs of our lives, the deepest needs of our hearts on the most practical way, or most practical level, rather, every single day, whatever that need might be. Now, the Grinch had a broken heart. What is it you're dealing with today? Whatever it is, whatever wound, whatever regret, whatever pain, whatever struggle, whatever fear that keeps you from being everything that God wants you to be, you bring that to Jesus this Christmas because he can heal it and he can make you whole. The story of the Grinch has a happy ending. He returns everything he stole from the Who's in Whoville, and he's invited to Christmas dinner at Cindy Lou's house, and his heart has been healed. It's now gone from being two sizes too small to tripling in size, and all of this comes to a head in a very, very real way when he's asked to carve the Christmas beast, whatever it is, In this final brief Christmas clip
1: (laughs) This is my first Christmas dinner What happens?
0: You'll see Would you do the
1: honors, Mr. Grinch? Oh, Uh, okay Do you mind if I say something first? Not at all Well, everybody, I I just want to say I've spent my entire life hating Christmas and everything about it. But now I see that it wasn't Christmas I hated. It was being alone. But I'm not alone anymore. And I have all of you to thank for it. Especially this little girl right here. Ma'am, your daughter's kindness changed my life.
0: That's my girl.
3: Oh, that was beautiful. That's my best friend.
0: (laughs) Merry Christmas, Mr. Grinch.
3: Merry Christmas, Cindy Lou. Ah! And the Grinch raised his glass and led the who's in a toast to
1: kindness and love, the things we need
3: most.
2: Now that final scene where the Grinch is holding up his cup, leading everyone in a toast to kindness and love, the things we need most, is a picture of redemption, of a redeemed life. Here's my question, and we're going to close. What would redemption look like in your life this Christmas? Maybe for some, it would be that you would finally quit resisting the call of God's grace to surrender your life in complete faith and trust to Jesus and experience the reality of having your sin forgiven and being given a brand new life where the old is gone and the new has come. For some, it might be just being honest about whatever that hole in your heart is or whatever that pain that you can't get out from under is, the bitterness, the unforgiveness, the loss, the hurt, whatever it might be, you finally face up to it and you recognize this incredible truth that we celebrate Jesus at Christmas and all year round because he came into the world to meet our deepest needs, and when we give those needs to him, our life can be changed forever. What would a picture of redemption for you and your life look like this Christmas? Father, we are so thankful for our time together and I know it's been unusual and I pray in some ways it's been eye-opening or convicting. Drive home in our hearts this truth today that Jesus did come into the world to meet our deepest needs. And at the top of the list is our need for forgiveness, but it doesn't end there because we all carry around a lot of things with us in our lives. And if we would just be willing to be honest about that, to open up and to release those things to you, we can find healing and we can find hope. And so speak to our hearts today. Speak to those who need to surrender their life and faith and trust to Jesus, to confess that faith, to demonstrate it through repentance, to express it through baptism. They've been resisting and resisting for so long. Speak to those who just need to let go of the pain and help our lives to be changed. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.